This is the Sterling Vineyard Sundays podcast. We're a church passionate about encountering Jesus and sharing his love with our city. To find out more about who we are, visit our website at sterlingvineyard.co.uk. you and thanks to the worship team as well that worship was amazing um i love when you can see god working within things um pretty much every kind of point i'm going to focus on today was mentioned in each song there was always something i thought oh that's really cool just god showing he's there you know oh we didn't talk beforehand did we didn't you don't know what i'm talking about do you (laughs) no there you go so good morning everyone thanks for coming it's great to see you all today and some new faces as well Um, This morning, we're going to look at 1 Samuel chapter 30. Um, We're just continuing with the life of David. So it's a long chapter. I'm not going to read it all in one go here, uh, but I'll go through it as we go along this morning. And the main thing I'm going to be focusing on is when crisis comes. So at this point uh, in 1 Samuel, we're looking through the life of David, and he's been through a lot by the time we read this passage. Saul's tried to kill him. He's had to flee from his own homeland with his people to the land of the Philistines where he's not welcome. King Achish, has, of one, of the, one of the rulers of Philistine, he welcomes him. He actually sees favor with David and gives him some land uh, and the town of Ziklag. But the other Philistine rulers do not hold the same favor for David. Um, they are afraid of him. Especially in battle, due to his reputation as a fierce adversary. You know, remember the you know his reputation is you know Saul has killed his thousands, but David has tens of thousands. They're terrified of him, and they don't trust that he would be their ally, um, as he was an Israelite. So they're worried that he would betray them. So he is in this land, not welcome there, away from his homeland, and tried to be killed by his once true friend. So things aren't going great, are they? Let's be honest. In this chapter, they've traveled 80 kilometers uh, to meet with the Philistine armies um, and meet with King Achish. And he's found out here that the Philistine rulers are saying, no, we, we do not want them here. Send them home. So King Achish has no choice. I'm sorry, David. You know, I trust you, but the rest don't. So you got to go. So they've just traveled 80 kilometers, three days travel. They now have to travel home to Ziklag, their temporary home, another 80 kilometers. When they finally reached the town, crisis had come. A devastating crisis that would put David's life and his leadership in danger. I wonder if you've ever experienced crisis before. I know for anyone Scottish here, the rugby yesterday, you might have been feeling a bit of a crisis as we destroyed you. But, um, but seriously, I can guarantee that each of us here will have in the past or right now or in the future will go through crisis. There's large-scale crises, uh, crises, sorry, I knew I was going to do that, crises going on um, right now. You know, we've just been through a pandemic, and we're still going through it. The last few years, that is a major crisis for us. The war in Ukraine, a major crisis, awful sort of things are going on there. And that's close to home. Never mind the rest of the world, there's always awful things going on. And they, uh, we can also have personal, individual crises. They look different for us all. Your crisis might not be my crisis. Oh, there we go. Classic. God has a sense humor. <laughs> Hello. Hey, there we go. Nice. We're back. Um, so I was saying, yeah, we all, we all you know, experience crises, uh, crises in our life. Yours might not be mine. 
but we all experience them, and it has the same effect on us all. When crisis comes, we experience pain and despair and fear and uncertainty. It's a fact of reality that we have and will experience crisis. I didn't say this to upset us or, or you know, um, put a downer on, on a Sunday morning. Um, I say this because it's a reality of our challenge in a broken world, and that is why it's important for us to look at how we respond to crises as followers of Jesus, because they're going to happen. We can learn a lot from how David responds to the crisis in 1 Samuel 30 as well. So when crisis comes, how do we react? Who do we become? I want us to think, about, uh, think through that this morning as, as, I'm, as I'm talking. Um, often we can say the right things and pretend we've not been rocked when a crisis comes. Uh, but what are our actions as a response to a crisis? That's how we really find out who we are and how much we trust Jesus. So let's look at the crisis, which is followed on from so many other troubles of David. I'm just going to read uh, first 1 and 2 of First uh, Samuel chapter 30. Three days later, when David and his men arrived home at their town of Ziklag, they found the, Amal- the Malachites had made a raid on the ne- ne- Negev and Ziklag. They had crushed Ziklag and burned it to the ground. They had carried off the women and children and everyone else, but without killing everyone. Now here, as I said, they've just returned home after traveling another three days, 80 kilometers, to their city in ruin, burning in ashes. Their families, their loved ones have been taken captive by the Amalekites, and all their resources have been stolen. There's nothing. It goes on to say, as we look forward um, in the chapter, that the men, you know, David's men who were with him, were so angry they wanted to kill him. That's a pretty desperate situation from David. You know, you've, you've come home. You ever been away for a long time or working and it's, you know, you've had a really long day or a really long week and you, and you just know you're getting home to your home comforts and your loved ones and, and you can't wait. This is the, all these, you know, 600 men and David will be coming home to this and this absolute devastation this is not what, when they left, what happened. And all of a sudden, everyone's gone. The resources are gone. The shelters are crumbled. They have nothing. If you were David, what would you do? You've lost your loved ones, as I said, everything's gone. And now your men, your own men have turned against you and and want to kill you. Do you run for your life? Do you accept failure and accept your fate to be killed? Well, no. Here's the first point of how David responds to this crisis that I want to look at. In verse 6, it says this. David has, was now in great danger because all his men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters, and they began to talk of stoning him. But David finds strength in the Lord his God. That's the first thing David does. He puts all of his dependence on God. He comes to God in his weakness. He doesn't hide this from his men either. While he does this, he doesn't go off into a wee corner and, and just you know, show his weakness to God and ask for strength. He, he does this in front of them to show what kind of leader he is and how he needs to depend on God. He says, God, I need you. I can't do anything in my own strength. We're going to go either two ways when crisis comes. We can turn away from God in anger and frustration and sorrow and harden our hearts from God, or we will draw close to God in full dependence and trust and hope. 
and in the knowledge that closeness with Jesus nourishes our relationship with the Holy Spirit. David draws close, and as he's remembered uh, for, pursues God's own heart. Like David, if we recall the faithfulness of God and how he's always been faithful with us through troubles and crisis in the past in our own lives, it becomes more instinctual for us to humble ourselves and strengthen ourselves in the Lord instead of trying to go through things alone. Strengthening ourselves in the Lord will send us in a direction that brings us closer to God. And it will influence our characters as well in who we are in Jesus. God doesn't always work in our lives and strengthen us in the ways we think he will. David certainly couldn't have known how God's faithfulness was working in his life, especially during these difficult times. You know, he might have a plan in his head of how things would have liked to go, and clearly it's not. But he's still faithful, and he still asks for God's strength in his weakness. And it's a lot of the time, it's not for us to know. And that's where the faithfulness comes in. We need to trust that God is faithful and trust that what he has planned for us is good. When we understand that we need God, that's when we can rely on his strength. And following Jesus, it's not just a religion to practice. It's not a tradition to discipline ourselves in. It's not just a lifestyle choice or an experience to chase after. It's a need like water or food. A relationship and reliance on Jesus is what we need to truly live and get through times of crisis. If we look back at the passage, we see that from the strength of God, point two here, comes the wisdom of God. David is a broken man here. He strengthens himself in the Lord, and then the next thing he does is turn to prayer. He prays to God and asks for the wisdom of the Lord. In verse eight, it says here, then David asked the Lord, should I chase after this band of raiders? Will I catch them? And the Lord told him, yes, go after them. You will surely recover everything that was taken from you. So how do we get wisdom? Well, it seems pretty simple in the Bible. It says, if you want wisdom, get wisdom. That's it. (laughs) If you want wisdom, ask for it. Proverbs 4 verse 7 says, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, (laughs) get understanding. So how we would just ask for it. God keeps it simple for us. You know, if we want wisdom, pray for it. Ask, ask God for his wisdom. The pursuit of wisdom is wise. And so when David asks for wisdom, God answers because he's faithful. But God doesn't give David a full 10-step plan here of, of, you know, right, here's everything you need to do. Often that's just not the way it goes, is it? He just says, pursue and you will surely overcome them. And this is where, as I said, the trust and the faithfulness of God must come. Often God will give us step one, and we have to trust that and step forward into that before step two is even revealed to us. That's a scary thing. They still didn't know where this band was. You know, God didn't say, oh, yeah, they're just over the hill, and then you go north and, and then take a right at that, you know, sheep there. Um, he doesn't give any detail. He just says, go, pursue them, and you will overcome them. So David trusts the wisdom of God, and by doing so, gains back the trust and confidence and respect of his men as well. These men who are just talking about stoning him to death. Now in his dependence and his strength by the Lord, they are ready to follow him once again. The devastation and despair has turned to drive and purpose. Now once, uh, not once, sorry, did David pretend that everything is fine and that he's in control he clearly has no idea of what to do until he goes to the Lord. 
I've definitely been there myself, pretending that everything's fine. Uh, oh, I'm in control here of a situation that realistically I have no control over. It helps no one trying to convince yourself otherwise. But David never let his pride get the better of him. And he never placed blame on something or someone else. He never tried to step back from his responsibility as a leader, which would have been an easy option to take. No, David in his weakness strengthens himself in the Lord and seeks wisdom. And in seeking wisdom, he receives it. But it's not smooth sailing after that. You know, he, he faces more troubles. They start off their journey, the 600 men, and they come to um, the Brook Bezos, Bezor, Brook Bezor. And all of a sudden, a third of his men, 200 of his men can't go on any further. They're so exhausted from the, their travels that they can't go on any further. Imagine how tired you must have been not to have the energy to go and rescue your own families and loved ones. They must have been absolutely shattered. But, but David doesn't, doesn't get angry. He, he doesn't um, scold them or say, you know, you're deserters or anything like that. No, he says, that's fine. Stay here and the rest of us will continue on. They then later come across an Egyptian in the wilderness who's starving. And the first thing David does here is show kindness before anything else. He feeds him well, not just you know, bread and water. He also gives him figs and olives and all these things. He, he really um, feeds him well and, and treats him well. And then once you know, he's on the verge of starvation here, uh, he then asks him, where did you come from? Who, who were you with? And the Egyptian man tells them that he was a slave of an Amalekite who had abandoned him when he fell ill three days ago. And he just says, ah, yeah, I was with that band. Uh, we, you know, we burned down Ziklag. And then, oh, wait, hold on. You, it was the amount, okay. So now we're starting to get some information here. God's providing it. it. It's one of those amazing things when you see the character of David and the faithfulness of God come together. David's kindness, his character to, to treat this man well. You know, he's on a mission and all of a sudden, oh, there's a, there's a man starving to death here. Let's help him. And with that, God's faithfulness, it was in his plan for, for this man to meet David and his people and for him to treat him well because of his character. And then, and then actually, this man knows exactly where the Amalekites are. He knows exactly where this band of raiders are. So as it says in the passage, David and his men take victory over the raiders. The Egyptian man shows them where they are and they're They've got their guard down, they're celebrating, they think, oh, easy victory, you know, we've just went and taken all these people uh, captive and taken all the resources and they're having a great time. And all of a sudden, David and his men come down and, and, and wipe them out pretty much and, and get back their, their families, which it says in the Bible, no one was lost as well, which is an incredible, you know, grace of God. It says in, uh, yeah, it says, David got back everything the Amalekites had taken. Nothing was missing, small or great. So victory, he's got victory. And if you're a follower of Jesus and you know his love, his love for you, victory is already assured for us. Our victory may not be like one of David's over the Malachites, but it's actually so much more than that. It's a victory over death and over sin and over the enemy who's Satan. Jesus dying for us and his resurrection means a victory has already been won for us. We are saved and the Holy Spirit now lives within us as well. So when crisis comes, we must remember our identity in Christ and the victory that's already been won for us. We can take so much confidence from that. If like David, we bear our weakness and humble ourselves by showing our need for God, he will strengthen us. If we simply ask for wisdom, he will give us wisdom. This is the grace of our God 
that he infinitely offers us. So grace. Grace, hi grace. Grace is the final point that I want to look at that can be seen in this passage. In uh, verse uh, 21 to 25, I'll just read that. Then David returned to the brook Bezor and met up with the 200 men who had been left behind because they were too exhausted to go with him. They went out to meet David and his men, and David greeted them joyfully. But some evil troublemakers among David's men said, they didn't go with us, so they can't have any of the plunder we recovered. Give them their wives and children and tell them to be gone. But David said, no, my brothers, don't be selfish with what the Lord has given us, with what the Lord has given us. He has kept us safe and helped us defeat the band of raiders that attacked us. Who will listen when you talk like this? We share and share alike those who go to battle and those who guard the equipment. From then on, David made this a decree and regulation for Israel, and it's still followed today. Throughout this crisis, David experiences so much of God's grace. And now that he has victory, he doesn't just hold on to the plunder and treasures that they've received through victory, and he doesn't take all the praise himself, saying, oh, yeah, I've done it, I've, I've rescued everyone. No, of course not. He shares it, despite some of his men's anger at those who stay behind or are too exhausted to continue on and fight in the battle. David shows grace and shares everything amongst his people, as the victory and the plunder is not his to keep. As it said there, oh, I've lost it. <laughs> as it says here, yeah. Don't be selfish with what the Lord has given us. Everything there he's seen, victory, you know, the whole battle, all the the plunder, the people, everything belongs to God, not David, not his men. So to him, the victory belongs. To him, God, the victory belongs to God, and so grace is given to all and not hoarded. And this is the heart of David. And why is his heart so full of grace? Because he longs after the beautiful heart of God. So the more we seek after the heart of God, the more the heart of God becomes part of our hearts and the greater its influence over our hearts and our character as well. David isn't perfect. He's far from it, but neither are we. But God loved David and he loves us the same. When crisis comes, let us be faithful like David. Let's rely completely on the strength of our God in our weakness. Let us seek the wisdom of God by asking for it. And let us share the grace of God that he freely gives us. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that we can still take so much um, from your word in the Old Testament for things that happened thousands of years ago. Um, I thank you that you're faithful, that you love us, and that even in our weakness we can come and be strengthened by you. That if we want wisdom, all we need to do is ask for it even if it's maybe not we, what we expect. Um, and thank you that we can just trust that your plan is good for us. Thank you for your grace. Thank you that all we have, material, talent, time, everything belongs to you, Lord. Let us use that to glorify you. And thank you that we already have victory. No matter what crisis we're going through, we have victory in our hearts because Jesus has already died for us and been resurrected. And we already have victory over sin and death. So um, just, yeah, Holy Spirit, come and, and be with us as we worship you further today, Lord, um, and the rest of this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Sterling Vineyard Sundays podcast. 
If you want to get in touch with us, please visit our website at sterlingvineyard.co.uk or find us on social media at Sterling Vineyard Church.